Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. When my husband Ben and I bought our first home together, house together in July 2020, we were eager to make a home for ourselves along Common Street in Watertown. In addition to generously leaving us a few things we had requested, the patio furniture in the backyard, along with some rubber trees in the sunroom, our sellers left a few things we did not want, including a threadbare welcome mat at the front door and a tattered one at the back door. Neither looked the least bit welcoming, honestly, so I set about to replace them both, which turned out to be a more complicated proposition than I had initially anticipated. What I was looking for were exact replicas of the ones I had loved at our old place in New York City, which seemed not to be sold in any local outlets. So we were stuck with our unwelcome mats, as I like to call them, for a while longer as my search continued. And while it continued, we discovered another thing that our sellers had left for us, namely an ongoing property dispute with our next door neighbors. We were entirely unaware of this when we purchased it, but our neighbors made us aware of it as soon as we arrived and then worked tirelessly to keep us aware of it. The historic property line was overlooked when our parallel driveways were drawn in 1920, so the pavement in our driveways inched over to their land as it had in decades past. The two brothers living next door to us objected to our using the driveway leading to our garage and also to our allowing any guests or tradespeople to park in it. Visiting electricians and arborists and plumbers were met with shouted demands that they immediately move their vehicles. Our neighbors had such animosity towards us, such a sense of outsized grievance, that our driveway soon became as unwelcoming as the tattered mat at the back door. Then they hung a sign on the fence between our backyards that read, warning, beware of dogs, you have been warned, not responsible for injury or death. It read like an old-time skull and crossbones flag. The neighbors wanted to spell out for us just how unwelcome the two of us were in their neighborhood. It did not matter they only had one dog, singular, with a pretty gentle disposition, or that whatever sign they hung, of course they were liable under law for any injury or death in which they bore responsibility. They wanted to send us a clear message to be on our guard. A dear clergy friend of mine, herself a transplant from Chicago, told me this joke. Possibly you have heard it yourself. If your neighbors in New England speak to you within five years of your moving there, either you're suing them or they're suing you. When she first told me this joke, we both thought it was hilarious and we laughed and laughed. We each recognized the element of truth in it. So I shouldn't have been surprised when my husband and I needed to hire a lawyer. As we began living that joke month after month and then year after year, I have to say it became considerably less funny. In fact, it was miserable. 
Perhaps that helps to explain why I found myself so immediately drawn to the spiritual practice of welcoming prayer when I first encountered it. It was introduced to me near the end of my training program as a spiritual director as a companion to centering prayer, a contemplative practice grounded in the Christian tradition that I have done for decades now. Welcoming prayer was new to me, strange, challenging, and enthralling. A few of you may recall that I led a welcoming prayer workshop here at Arlington Street Church last fall. I'm currently finalizing plans to lead another one this coming spring, if that holds any interest for you personally. Welcoming prayer was developed by a Catholic laywoman named Mary Morzowski, a founding member of the Contemplative Outreach Spiritual Network. She adapted this practice from a 17th century spiritual classic authored by Jesuit spiritual director Jean-Pierre de Cassade. Its French title has been translated into English as Abandonment, or Absolute Surrender to Divine Providence. To be fair, I think nothing has been lost in the translation. I also think that such a book would be a tough sell to readers today. In America, we have little patience with any of the notions promulgated by de Cassade in his title. We have a, a mental habit of associating surrender with defeat instead of peace. We think of Providence mostly as the capital of Rhode Island. In a book he wrote centuries ago, de Cassade contended, what God arranges for us to experience at each moment is the holiest thing that could happen to us. What God arranges for us to experience at each moment is the holiest thing that could happen to us. Many of us might take some issue with that statement, either on theological or philosophical grounds. But I, for one, find it a fascinating thought experiment. What if we manage to hold at bay, even momentarily, our tendency to refuse the realities of our own lives? What if we stopped insisting that our existence should, should be other than what they are, much better, and vastly improved versions. These were the questions that Mary Murawski asked practitioners of the welcoming prayer to consider deeply and routinely. To welcome and to let go is one of the most radically loving, faith-filled gestures we can make in each moment of each day. It is an open-hearted embrace of all that is in ourselves and in our world, she asserted. Releasing our fixed opinions about whatever is most challenging or difficult or uncomfortable in our lives is no easy task. Understanding that, Murawski structured her prayer using both verbal and nonverbal components. These include focusing on and sinking into whatever we are experiencing in our bodies, including any sensations, cognitions, and emotions we might be having be they strange or all too familiar. Welcoming whatever is experienced as we accept that our feelings and thoughts are real and deserve our full recognition. And then, finally, letting go of our summary judgments and personal preferences. The opening of welcoming prayer is one word repeated three times, welcome, welcome, welcome before adding these phrases. I welcome everything that comes to me in this moment. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, persons, situations, and conditions coming to mind. Of course, that declaration is not at all true when we make it. 
It is aspirational, much like the hymns we sing in church each Sunday, or the intentions we set for ourselves at the start of every new year. We are only allowing for some novel possibility to burst forth into our world. In the year since I have learned the welcoming prayer, I have taught it repeatedly to clergy clusters in my area, to the members and friends of Arlington Street, to small group ministries meeting twice a month, to other spiritual directors who were eager to know more about the practice. Each time I have done so, I have been impressed by the intense resistance people bring to the prayer and also inspired by their determination to push past it. Whenever I say, welcome, 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 I know that some will hear it as a dare, or worse still, a taunt, and I regret that. But by the time we get to its closing lines, I let go of my desire for security, affection, control, and I embrace this moment as it is. Something has shifted for them, usually, and some spaciousness been introduced into their situation. At the very end of our time together, I asked those brave souls willing to do so to name aloud in the group what they previously welcomed in their private prayer. Invariably, it proves quite an extensive catalog of negative, positive, and mixed emotions. People have told me that they welcomed fear, trust and mistrust, worry, judgment, delight, ease and distrust of ease, disregard, love, yearning, and good intent. They have then listened raptly as the group welcomes in chorus what they had welcomed alone in silence. Welcome judgment, we all repeat after them. Welcome yearning. Welcome worry. Welcome, welcome, welcome. In his 2004 collection of selected poems by Rumi translator and poet Coleman Barks included one he called The Guest House. In the years since then, it has become a popular favorite. You may recognize it here. The Guest House. This being human is a guest house, every morning a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor welcome and entertain them all, even if there are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from the beyond. That call the great Sufi master issues to welcome these motley guests to our interior lives, to treat each honorably, to be grateful for every last one of them, may sound like a supreme jest. It's not. Rather, it is Rumi's invitation to us to sacralize the whole of our experience and to dignify all our days, the heartbreaking and the hard, as well as the happy ones. Similarly, welcoming prayer encourages each of us to step into the present moment in all its complexity and truth. When I was preparing my Arlington Street workshop last fall, I fussed too long, far too long, over its title. Originally, I had called it Welcoming What's Unwelcomed. Then I changed it to 
welcoming what's unwelcome, defaulting to the more standard usage without the final D. Is there really any difference here, I asked myself. Once I decided there was, I changed the title back to welcoming what's unwelcomed. Because what's unwelcomed could easily be welcomed, and then suddenly everything would change. Last September, Martha's Vineyard made headlines when 48 migrants between the ages of 2 and 68 disembarked there from an airplane that had been piloted in from Texas. You may remember this story. The people at the regional airport were as surprised as the 48 on board who had been told they were being relocated to Boston. Martha's Vineyard in the off-season bears hardly any resemblance to Boston. Surrounded uh, by sea and all sides, the passengers were frightened and disoriented. This was a part of a series of cruel publicity stunts staged by governors in Texas, Arizona, and Florida, who in protest of U.S. federal policies on immigration, relocated recent arrivals across our borders to major metropolitan areas up north that had designated themselves as sanctuary cities. Martha's Vineyard, however, was an obvious outlier. Yet residents of that island very quickly mobilized themselves. The Episcopal Church provided the migrants shelter. Spanish students from the local high school volunteered themselves as translators from the migrants who mostly came from Venezuela. The local thrift shop donated clothes and shoes. A community hotline was inundated with calls from residents who wanted to donate goods and funds. Within time, within days, our governor relocated the willing and informed migrants to a military base on Cape Cod, where social services would be more readily available to them. And in the end, some of the migrants were indeed settled in Boston as promised. Among the materials used to dupe the migrants was a promotional folder with an imaginary flag imaginary state flag of Massachusetts, and this message, Massachusetts welcomes you. Massachusetts actually made good on a promise some very cynical types expected would be broken. Honestly, it made me proud to be a citizen of this commonwealth. And then later, on behalf of the 48 migrants, Massachusetts filed a class action suit in federal trial court against the Florida governor and secretary of transportation. The case has yet to be tried, but we can certainly hope that justice will be served. As Ben and I continue to go to great lengths to reach a fair and equitable legal agreement with our next-door neighbors and asked all our guests to park their cars across the street, our neighbors continue to patrol our driveway and the fence line with their killer dog, who showed very little enthusiasm for that role, and was clearly intent on remaining an innocent bystander through all of it. Close and exceedingly annoying friends reminded me to pray for the neighbors, which I did, reluctant and aggrieved, but I did nonetheless. I also practiced my welcoming prayer at the same time, which brought me honestly much greater peace of mind. Welcome reluctance. Welcome grievance. Welcome wariness. Welcome, welcome, welcome. When my oldest friend came to stay with me our second summer in Watertown, she brought Ben and I the perfect housewarming gift. It was a new welcome mat, just like the one I had been looking for, 
It said, welcome, in capital letters. I love it, I told her. I knew you would, she replied. It has a serif font. You love a nice serif font. She's right, I do. When we are welcomed, truly welcomed, the totality of who we are is not only allowed, but also embraced. Our quirks and predilections, our strengths and limitations, our fears and our hopes for our lives. A partial welcome is hardly any welcome. It seems as preposterous as telling our neighbors that, telling our guests that their toes are welcome in our house, but not their fingers, or their elbows, but not their knees. It doesn't matter what people say or what signs they hang. We know whether or not full acceptance is being signaled to us. Our nervous systems register the truth. A welcoming welcome is actually an all or nothing proposition. And the welcoming prayer invites me to recall that. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, Rumi declared. Be grateful for whoever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. When my husband and I finally reached legal resolution with our next-door neighbors after more than two years of complicated and fraught negotiations, we each breathed a sigh of relief. Recalling that old adage about good fences, I told him, good easements make good neighbors. We shall see if that proves to be the case on Common Street. Yet in the meanwhile, our tradespeople come and go in peace. Visitors to our Watertown home can park anywhere they like in our driveway at any hour of any day. They are warmly greeted at the door by our two sister cats, whom we assume complete responsibility for and who are also highly unlikely to inflict any injury or death. Then our visitors step over a lovely welcome mat given as a gift that means precisely what it says. Before we enter together into sacred silence, I want to invite those of you who would like to this morning to join me in a body prayer. It can be done seated or standing either way. You may also choose to simply observe. I will do the gestures and say the words, which you are welcome to repeat. The first time I do it, though, you can just observe and listen. You use your hands and you will cross the meridian in the gestures. This body prayer is a sort of extension of the welcoming prayer. It's one I often use to close my workshops. And the complete prayer is as such. Here I am, as I am, in the world, as it is, wholehearted. I invite you to repeat with me. Here I am, as I am, in the world, as it is, wholehearted. Here I am as I am, in the world, as it is, hurting and wholehearted. Here I am, as I am, in the world, as it is, healing and wholehearted. Here I am, as I am, in the world, as it is, hopeful and wholehearted. Here I am, as I am in the world, as it is, wholehearted.
Amen. And now I invite you to put your hands over your hearts in namaste. The divine in me bows to the divine in you. Those who take hold of life, may you find life returning your embrace. Those who sense God, may you find God always with you. Those who seek a right path, may the way appear ahead. Step out in faith and go in peace, remembering that you are well-loved and we are all one. So it is. So may it always be. Every good blessing on each of you. Bless your hearts. Amen. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace.